to uh, continue on with the study that we've been doing, um, doing a 10-lesson uh, series on megatrends, uh, the religious world. And uh, I got inspired on this in December of 99. The Lord uh, moved upon me that these uh, trends were making inroads into our fellowship, uh, into our congregation, also uh, into the religious world in a major way. And so I just wrote down just uh, the ten subjects that I had been uh, uh, dealing with and, uh, and pondering about. And uh, so I've, I put together a study for this, and uh, surprisingly many of these already have begun to uh, manifest themselves uh, in uh, our church, in, in, the, in our fellowship. And so uh, this is number three I want to uh, minister on. And so... Uh, we're moving out of the base scripture, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. We've been uh, taking this every week as a base uh, uh, to minister. I need somebody to get that for me, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. Somebody like to get that, Catherine uh, Kaminko. And then I need somebody to get for me 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. Is uh, Noel Tossing? Dave Burke, would you get for me uh, Luke uh, uh, 21, 34 through 36? I need somebody to get for me Revelation 3, verse 10, uh, Jake, and I want 1 Thessalonians 5, 9 is Samantha. So uh, we want to uh, take these and uh, move through these. Uh, here's a prophecy from 2 Timothy chapter 3, 1 through 5. Uh, let's listen to that, and I'm going to read it out of another version. Another trans have nothing to do with such people like this. And another translation says, You may be quite sure that in the last days there are going to be some difficult times. People will be self-centered and grasping, boastful, arrogant, and rude, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, irreligious, heartless, and unappeasable. There will be slanders, profligates, savages, and enemies of everything that is good. They will be treacherous and reckless, and demented by pride, preferring their own pleasure to God, they'll keep up the outward appearance of religion, but will have rejected the inner power of it. Have nothing to do with people like that. So oftentimes we read prophecies like that, and uh, if we're not careful, we'll, uh, we'll make a conclusion, well, this is the way uh, things are. has nothing to do with anything else. But you see, that prophecy is like picking up your, uh, your newspaper and reading uh, uh, in, in Christian publications because all of that's being fulfilled in society, society and in the religious world. And so these are not disassociated. Uh, what we believe is what we do. What we uh, grasp in, uh, in truth or fail to grasp in truth will determine the character and our conduct. And so uh, these things are not disconnected. They have roots in uh, the religious world, because uh, this this is uh, uh, this is prophesying, and much of this has to do with the religious world. Thirty years ago, uh, uh, if anyone that went by the label Pentecostal uh, would have said that uh, they were not uh, premillennial—that is, they did not believe in the pre-tribulation rapture of the church—you uh, would have uh, you would have said you're a heretic. 
uh, if, you'd have, if you'd have said that 30 years ago. However, with the popularity of television and with the mass publication of the media that we have today uh, and the stars that uh, are in the Christian world that, are, that are, uh, have a wide uh, uh, audience uh, and uh, the message that they're preaching tied to materialistic and a present world orientation and a prosperity gospel, there's been a radical shift in the conviction of a pre-tribulation rapture uh, of, uh, of the church. I want to uh, read with you First Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18, if uh, you will read that out loud for us. Uh, and this is our text. What we have today on a very large scale in the religious world is a rejection of a pre-tribulation rapture. Uh, and so we'll move on through that uh, with some conclusions. But this is widespread, especially with uh, people who are not Bible students. They do not study the Word of God. Uh, there is a, a high profile of many uh, uh, of the mass media, uh, the superstars in the religious world, the propagation of religious literature, the dissemination of uh, material, uh, CDs, uh, videos, etc. And there's been a radical shift in that. Uh, in the religious world, many have simply bought into it without thinking through the consequences or uh, studying that out themselves because brother so-and-so embraces it, then I believe it. First Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. All right. This scripture is written because Paul is writing, he does not want them to be ignorant about an event that has great uh, uh, consequence in the church. All right, these are not Paul's miscellaneous thoughts on a religious subject. He's saying, this we say to you by the word of the Lord. All right, here's the church. Uh, the church, uh, if you uh, uh, read your scripture at all, you will, uh, uh, you will see in the writings, the teachings of the Lord Jesus, the word that in the church, as Paul wrote, uh, there was embedded in it, beginning with our Lord Jesus Christ, the anticipation of Christ coming again. This was uh, uh, fundamental. This was uh, permeating the entire church. They expected Jesus to come again. Paul writes, and as he writes, he writes uh, concerning a mystery, and that mystery is the rapture of the church. He outlines it there. We're going to move into it. We'll come back for, uh, for that in a moment. So there is widespread a rejection today of the pre-tribulation rapture. There's a, a considerable mockery in uh, charismatic circles. Here's one very popular uh, charismatic preacher. He's an author, and here are quotes from him. He says, The doctrine of the rapture was a great and effective ruse of the enemy to implant in the church a retreat mentality. But it will not succeed. Already this yoke has been cast off by the majority in the advancing church, and it will soon be cast off by all. The church may proclaim an imminent rapture as much as they will and teach that any moment the saints will be snatched away from the earth to escape the gathering clouds of the tribulation. But this is not the teaching of God's word. True, we must all be always be waiting and watching for his appearing. But this is not the appearing of evangelical the theology. This glorious appearing must, first of all, be manifest in the saints. Now, uh, catch the last words that I just said. Here's a man. He has shifted from 
the clear teaching of the Word of God of the escape of the saints, uh, the rapture of the church. He's embraced now another theology. That theology is not Christ coming for the saints, but Christ coming in the saints. Or in other words, in the church is when is where Jesus Christ is going to come. This has a whole theological consequence. It has a uh, profound theology, and uh, it uh, will... Uh, we'll uh, talk about that a little uh, later. He, uh, another says, I used to sing all those unscriptural songs. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up away beyond the blue. Did you ever sing that one? i got news for you. This world is your home. Well, i got news for you. This world is not your home. <laughs> and so... Uh, here's what we have. So the result uh, of this is uh, a, a now-oriented church. This is the result of a rejection of a pre-tribulation rapture is a now-oriented church. Rapture is a key doctrine. When you lay that aside, there's a subtle shift that begins to happen. It isn't that you just come and say, hey, I, I don't believe this, and then, uh, and then we take this stand. There's a subtle shifting I preached on this maybe a year ago, or I can't remember how long. There's a subtle shifting uh, in the spirit realm. Uh, this man, uh, the, I've read two quotes here uh, from two different men, actually. And uh, they are people who embrace kingdom now, what's known as kingdom now theology, or dominion theology, or the old uh, latter rain doctrine rehashed from four, uh, 50 years ago, uh, manifested sons of God. All of this is, uh, it comes under a label, but what it really is, is that uh, our hope is now. In this life, the church is going to manifest itself. Jesus is going to come in the church, manifest himself in, in super saints and super sons of God, etc., etc., etc. And so this is what we have. Here's a little clipping I clipped out of a Christian magazine. It says, Jesus is coming, but not soon. This is a poll. Four in ten Americans believe that the world will end as the Bible predicts. With an Armageddon showdown between Jesus and the Antichrist. 45% of all Christians in the same Newsweek poll and 71% of those identifying themselves as evangelical Protestants believe the same thing. The survey found that 95% who believe in a second coming think that it is important to get right with God, but only 65% say they believe it is important to convert non-Christians. And only 6% of all those polled think Jesus will, turn, will return as early as this year. So uh, here we have uh, the results of a lack of teaching, the imminent return of Jesus Christ. We're going to deal with that in just a moment. So I want to deal with you about the essence of the rapture. Uh, the essence of the rapture, to understand the rapture, even come to grips with it, uh, you need to understand that it is the facet of escape. That's what the rapture is all about, is escape. E-S-C-A-P-E. -E. Escape means escape in Clintonese. If you don't understand what escape means, escape means escape, okay? So uh, we'll uh, define the word a little bit uh, later. But Luke 21, 34 through 36, these are the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. But take heed to yourself, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this, to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Worthy to escape all these things. Revelation 3, verse 10. Because you have kept my commands, I will also keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. 
box that word from. That word has tremendous meaning. Words in the Bible always have meaning. And that word literally means uh, from. It does not mean through. It does not mean out of. It means from. Okay. These are key words as we move through understanding 1 Thessalonians 5 through 9. All right, to understand, if we just touch on this, the tribulation, uh, there are various teachings on the tribulation period. Uh, most of the people who uh, reject a, a pre-tribulation rapture uh, have the thought that tribulation is a period of perfecting of the church. This is going to be a time when God uh, uh, puts uh, saints through trials of the tribulation, which is going to cleanse the church, perfect the church, make the church ready, and you'll hear all kinds of uh, 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 sermons or proclamations that uh, this is what the tribulation is all about. The church is not ready to meet God. Uh, we're going to have a cleansing. We're going to have a, 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 a trial. We're going to be tried by fire, etc., that this is tribulation. But the tribulation in the Bible is a period of time that is very specific. It is not the trials of the Christian life, which if we were living uh, in China right now, uh, or certain parts of the world in, in, uh, uh, in the Sudan, uh, we might be paying with our lives. We might be tortured. Uh, this is the lot uh, and the expectation of all who believe that they will have tribulation. This is not the tribulation. The tribulation is a period and a segment of time when God will judge this world for its rejection of Jesus Christ. That's what the tribulation is all about. It is not a period of time of perfecting of the church. It is a period of time that God is going to judge this world at the conclusion of the age for its rejection of Jesus Christ. A Christ-rejecting world is going to receive a final judgment. One segment of that period of time is called the time of Jacob's trouble. This is a segment of time when Israel now receives their final recompense for the rejection of Jesus Christ just before Christ appears in the Valley of Armageddon, puts down all rule reign, defeats the armies of the Antichrist, reveals himself, Zechariah 12, Zechariah 14, as they see him whom they've pierced. This precedes that. That's a period of time called Jacob's trouble, the final judgment of Israel for their rejection of Jesus Christ. We want to get uh, Jeremiah 30, verse 7. I want somebody right in here to get that for me. Don Galati. I need 1 Thessalonians 4, 15 through 17. Brian. I need John 14, 3. Uh, Bill Brunson. Uh, okay, we'll move back through some other stuff. So, uh, this is what uh, the tribulation is, and to understand the rapture, you must understand it is escape. That's the essence of it. Without the escape, all the words uh, that are spoken about it mean nothing. This is what it's all about. This is central to, and the essence of the rapture is escape from a period of time that's coming on the earth. Jeremiah 30, verse 7. All right, this is, uh, uh, this is uh, uh, clear language, and this is a segment that has to do with Israel. And uh, when they have embraced the Antichrist, then uh, uh, he turns on them, and this is a time of Jacob's trouble, uh, which we are not going to go into at the moment. So the catching away of the church, First Thessalonians 4, 15 through 17, 
is what the escape is all about. This is not escape for everyone. This is an escape for those that are the church of Jesus Christ. Paul speaks specifically. They had loved ones. Their loved ones had died. Uh, they had anticipated that uh, Christ would come in their lifetime. He had not come, and their loved ones have perished. Now they're very sad. They say they're going to miss the coming of uh, the Lord Jesus to get us. And so they're very sad. He writes First Thessalonians 4, said, I don't want you to be ignorant. And he outlines for them that this is the sequences, and this is what's going to happen. Verses 15 through 17. These are the believers, both uh, died, who have, uh, who have uh, uh, died, and those who uh, are alive. This is an event, which is the resurrection of believers. John 14, verse 3, we have a very key scripture in the Bible. If I go to prepare a place for you... I will return and receive you unto myself, that there where I am, there you may be also. Now, this is a very specific language. This has to do with the imagery of a Jewish wedding. In a Jewish wedding, uh, there are several events. I want to read this to you because it'll, it'll help you. And I preached on this some time ago. This is a Jewish marriage custom. It is this language out of this that Jesus uses for John 14. The first major step in a Jewish marriage was betrothal or the establishment of a marriage covenant, leaving the home of his father. The Jewish groom would travel to the home of the prospective bride. Upon arrival, he would negotiate concerning two matters. First, he would ask the bride's father for the young lady's hand in marriage. If the father agreed, he would negotiate further concerning the price to be paid for the bride. If the two agreed, the groom would pay the price, thereby establishing a marriage covenant. The young man and woman who had done this were were regarded as having been married. However, they did not begin their life together immediately. In other words, it wasn't consummated. The groom would excuse himself from his bride, leaving her at home. He would return to his father's house to remain for about one year. During this time, he was busy preparing living accommodations to which he could later bring his bride. After the period of separation... On an unannounced night, the bride never knew what night it would be, the groom would call his best man and his other male escort. Together, they would leave the groom's father's house and begin a torchlight procession through the streets to the home of of his bride. Bystanders, recognizing that a groom and his wedding party were coming to claim his bride, would begin to shout, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Others uh, would uh, take up the cry, passing it from block to block until finally... Uh, the shout would be heard outside the bride's home. The ultimate purpose of that shout was to warn the bride that if she that she should get ready quickly because tonight would be the night her groom would come to take her to be with him. Before the bride could be fully prepared, the groom and his escort would reach the bride's home. But they would never enter. They would wait outside. When the bride was ready, she and her bridesmaids would leave her parents' home to meet her groom and his escorts in the street. Upon returning to the groom's house, the marriage was consummated. At this time, it signaled the beginning of a wedding feast, which would last for seven days. During all this time of feasting and rejoicing, however, the bride remained unseen in the bridal chamber. So strongly entrenched was this custom that the feasting period came to be known as the days of hiding or the days of the bridal chamber. At the end of the seventh, uh, of the seventh day of the feast, the bridegroom would bring his bride from the bridal chamber with her veil removed for all to see. 
So when Jesus says, uh, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go, I'll return again and, uh, and uh, uh, receive you into myself, that there where you are, I may be, uh, there where I am, you may be also. He's speaking of a marriage, Jewish marriage, a surprise return, a place prepared, an unexpected. And so many scriptures you'll recognize immediately fit into this scenario. The five wise, the five foolish virgins, the wedding supper of the, uh, of the, uh, uh, the master that gives, and et cetera, et cetera. All these fit into... Uh, that uh, that script and fit into that imagery and it has to do with uh, the catching away of a bride and the preparation and the consummation the wedding summer, supper of the lamb all of this has to do with that but we want to home in on the subject of the imminent uh, return of the Lord Jesus and uh, I want several scriptures I want Luke 21 34 in this section here somebody help me Luke 21 verse 34 is Jacob I want Matthew 24:44 is uh, uh, Pete Baker I want Luke 12:40 uh, which is uh, Ryan I want Luke 12:46 you're an eager bunch today Dave and Matthew 25:13. All right, imminent. The rapture, uh, teaching of the rapture, is something that is imminent. This is crucial to the entire understanding. This is crucial to the whole doctrine. And when we say imminent, that means something. It means hanging over one's head. It means literally impending or at any moment. So it is foolish for us to say, I believe in the imminent coming of the Lord Jesus, and then say, uh, but there's a lot of things going to have to happen before that can, uh, that can come to pass. Are you following me? We believe that the coming of Christ could happen at any moment. There's no scripture has to be fulfilled. Yes, there's scriptures have to do with Armageddon. There's scriptures have to do with Antichrist. There's scriptures have to do with all this. Nothing has to be fulfilled before Christ returns. Nothing. He could come at any moment, and we may not get through this day. That's the teaching of the imminent return of Jesus Christ. Luke 21, 34. All right, here's the Lord Jesus. He sets this in, in the text to his disciples, lays this in. And as he does this, he says, you need to be living in anticipation of this, uh, because if you don't, then certain things begin to take place. You have a mindset. You begin to develop attitudes. You begin to come to conclusions. And so that's going to affect how you're going to live. That's the meaning of Luke 21, 34. All right, we want to, uh, uh, we want to continue with uh, Matthew 24, 44. Here he sets again the, the, the essence of this in imminency. And imminency is that this can happen at any moment. It says you need to be ready at all times uh, because this can happen. Luke 12, verse 40 repeats this. Therefore you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you expect. And Luke 12, 46 repeats this. The master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him, and an hour when he is not aware, and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. And Matthew twenty five thirteen. Help us, Pete Baker. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour which the Son of Man is coming. All right, all these scriptures have no meaning unless 
there is an imminency to the Lord Jesus Christ returning for his church. So we want to uh, uh, touch on the effects that this has uh, of the belief in this. Uh, and I want First uh, John 3, 3, over to my right. Uh, clear over is Randy. I want First Thessalonians 5, 23. Uh, is Mike Solano, Hebrews 9, 28. Anthony Luttrell, uh, Titus 2, 11 through 13. Uh, back in the corners, Barry Arp and Ephesians 5, 2 is Adam. So something happens when this reality grips your heart. How many of you have ever uh, uh, been doing something wrong? And someone of prominence or consequence, like parents or uh, somebody else that would be uh, consequent, that uh, it, they might come at any time. How many of you ever... Any, are we recognizing anything here? All right. And so uh, this is the issue, and uh, this is why our Lord Jesus Christ sets this in this kind of setting. And uh, these, this is only a portion of the total teaching of the imminency of Christ's coming uh, and uh, it's, it's total teaching in Scripture. First John 3, 3 says something's going to happen. One thing is the purifying of your heart. If you believe this, it's going to affect how you live. If you don't believe this, uh, conversely, it's going to affect how you live. However, that, ju that doesn't uh, always come uh, as, as, uh, uh, as uh, uh, prominently. In other words, you don't say, I don't believe Jesus is going to come today, so I'm going to go fornicate. It isn't, it, it, there's a subtle mindset that begins to lay hold. And that subtle mindset means that you begin to shift off priorities and then you begin to involve yourself in other things uh, because you're uh, not living in anticipation of that taking place. It's going to affect, number one, the purification of your heart, the sanctification of your spirit, and the lifestyle you live. First John 3, verse 3. And every man that has this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. What hope? The imminency of the coming of Christ. You can't speak any plainer than that. And if your theology has, uh, has uh, embraced something differently, you cannot help that factor uh, beginning to program into your life. It will be there. When temptation and testing comes, uh, one of the tremendous uh, uh, factors, you say, well, if you're just full of the Holy Spirit and you are justified by faith and you are washed in the blood and you are all the cliches that you have, you wouldn't do any of those things. Well, I've pastored a good while and I've lived for God for a good while and I want to tell you that uh, this is a powerful factor. It affects how you live. When you begin to think, you know what? Uh, Jesus could come. How's this going to affect what are the decisions I'm making right now? All right, I saw hands. Where did I see that? Carol? I, I think that if you don't believe in the teaching of rapture, then it's kind of like, well, no, I understand. That's, that's not true. Yeah, I do. If you're expecting to be killed in a tribulation, yeah, so why, that God's a mean God. That's what you're saying?
I've met folks that would. <laughs> it's a great thought, Jeff. Okay. Uh, all right. So let's get these other three scriptures and we'll open. First Thessalonians 5.23. Okay, here again, that's set in the context of imminency and uh, the lifestyle, the spiritual uh, uh, posture that you have is all tied in with uh, this same thought. Hebrews 9, 28. To those who eagerly wait for him. He will appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Okay? So there we again. We have this, uh, this profound thought that lifestyle uh, goes far beyond simply the surface. It goes into the deep ramifications of our character and our whole soul and bodies. Titus 2.11 through 13. Here again, we find that tied in. The imminency, this is very crucial. The grace of God bringing salvation has appeared, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly and righteously in this present world, looking for the appearing of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So here we find uh, the effects of belief in an imminent rapture. We also uh, find... Uh, uh, slothfulness and uh, and carnality is going to be be the adverse. Let's open it up and and, and have some discussion for a moment. So, uh, 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 Jeff is thought on the bride uh, is is an excellent thought there. Uh, Victor, would you uh, want to add to that? Well, why are we any better than the people in Sudan? No, I understand that, but we're not suffering like the people in Sudan are. Is, is God an unjust God because we're not suffering like them? No, your theology is kinky if, you're, if that's what your belief is. Okay, so uh, the thought that Victor brought out was that it's like people who, uh, who have developed a theology and uh, they do not embrace, uh, uh, they embrace divine healing as a doctrine, but uh, without seeing the uh, visible results of it, then they begin to develop another theology, and that theology is that God really does want to uh, uh, punish us, and uh, he wants mankind to suffer because he uh, they, it does something really good. Uh, if he has cancer and uh, it eats his body, or if he uh, has some horrible disease he has to suffer with, that this makes him more spiritual, this makes him more, uh, more closer to God, this is his purpose and aim, that's, that's kinky theology. And that's generally used, as I preach in several crusade sermons, that's generally used by people who uh, have to make an excuse for the inability to see people uh, healed when they... Uh, in their ministry. That's it's generally a theological thing. Jeff Brown? Uh, interface this imminent return with eternal security. Do what now? Interface? Yeah. 
That's a great uh, computer word. <laughs> and so uh, being an expert on computers, well, <laughs> uh, well uh, I don't think eternal security necessarily has anything to do with that, with that subject. That's a separate subject. Uh, but... Um, well, if people would embrace that whether they're worried about that or not because that has a whole different theology that goes with it. And uh, we do believe in the security of the believer and that security is a wonderful promise that God gives us uh, but that promise is not for backsliders. It was never given for backsliders. That help you any? That interface it enough? <laughs> What? I just Well, a person, many people who believe in eternal security, as such, are are generally uh, uh, that that is the most adamant about it. Are people that want to live in a lifestyle disobedient to the Word of God and yet uh, proclaim religious profession. That's generally who they are. And if you've ever witnessed very much, you've talk to people who are drinking beer, smoking cigarettes, curse like a trooper, and but when you press in on them and say, hey, I'm eternally secure. So that was never given for backsliders. Who's it, Jim Landis? It's already down the pike if you live in certain places. We're, we're so immune here that we uh, the worst thing happens to us we get letters to the editor you know <laughs> yeah yeah that's why Pastor Mitchell keeps hammering at you that you need to serve God for who he is and not what he can get out of him changes changes totally your perspective when you get that but that's true but uh, Ricardo, depending on where you're living today, you would be suffering persecution. You might even be paying with your life. But that's not the tribulation. That's something totally different. But any person who is uh, living for God, you're going to suffer persecution in one way or the other, maybe from family, maybe in your employment, maybe community, uh, maybe the, uh, the perspective of uh, people that are around you. But, uh, but you're going to suffer some area of persecution. Uh, Kathy? Real loud for me. A prepared bride is? As to somebody's actually going to get married or the bride of Christ? Well, the bride of Christ is someone who's uh, living for God. Uh, that uh, is living a daily lifestyle uh, and Christ uh, is given priority. Uh, when you start saying you have a certain uh, standard that you're living uh, uh, on, uh, you would be, you would be uh, uh, remiss, but uh, examine your own heart. Uh, what, what if Jesus appeared in this moment? Is, uh, do you have any trauma? Do you have any, uh, any uh, fearfulness of, that you wouldn't go with him right now? And uh, so let's just take a second and, uh, and have a moment of silence.
whatever it is that comes to your mind that makes you spooked right now is what you better get straightened out. Okay, so it has to do with priority, has to do with the uh, with anticipation. If you if, if if you're sitting here this morning and you you watching your watch and you you're waiting for me to get through talking, church to get over so you can close a business deal, uh, it's clear where your priorities are. If you're sitting here this morning eyeballing some chick and you're just waiting till the service is over so you can make a move on her, that tells me where your priorities are. If this morning you're sitting here and you're hoping that I don't preach on a certain subject because that's a subject you're not obeying God on, then your priority is in the wrong place. And that makes you extremely nervous. Are you following my thought? And so I don't have any 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 uh, rule that I can lay on you, uh, and we're we're talking generally about people who are born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, that are genuine Christians. We're not talking about some sleaze, right? And so, uh, uh, but uh, you examine your own heart, Paul said, to see whether you're in the faith. And so, if you have nervousness about your uh, relationship with God or whether you're ready, well, then this would be a great time to get ready. That means that maybe there's some, uh, some areas that you need to clean up and get right. It's not for me to look at you and say, but the Holy Spirit is real, God is real, and He'll talk to hearts. Does that help you any? I don't know if that helps you. All right. Uh, it's Brian. Yeah. Yeah, they, they got a label. What what is it, uh, Mike? It's a label. We were just talking about it at breakfast. <laughs> yeah, I can't think of the term at the moment. That's what he is. It's an amillennialist, but yeah. Yeah. He's an amillennialist. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Yep. The falling away? Is it not the rapture? Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, I understand that. I've read them all. Okay. <laughs> no, the falling away is not the rapture. Absolutely not. The falling away is the apostasy. Of uh, you're seeing that right now. You're seeing this in the church world right now. Uh, it's uh, the seeds of it are everywhere. I've just been talking about it. kingdom now theology, uh, the prosperity doctrine. This uh, how anybody could uh, even sit under that is beyond my grasp. Uh, the uh, denial of uh, of uh, the morality that's demanded by the Bible, the ordaining of homosexuals. We're seeing that right now, Brian. The seed, but it, it hasn't finished yet. But we're seeing that. That's what the falling away is. It's departing from the faith of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. The falling away is not the rapture, no. Uh, Bear? Yep. 
Yeah. Okay, I want uh, two scriptures so that we don't lose these. First Thessalonians 5, 8, and 9. Somebody would like to get that for me. It's Don, and I want Jude 23. So uh, the effects of belief in a pre-tribulation rapture is a sanctification, is a purity of heart, is an anticipation, a lifestyle lived uh, in anticipation of that. The reverse of that is slothfulness and carnality. Uh, Jesus tells the parable, said, uh, uh, one of these said, My Lord delays his coming. He puts that in the context. When there is no anticipation, then this effect says that they eat, drink, and, and be in self-indulgence. Uh, uh, then the second thing that we need to look is eagerly serving and being prepared. First Thessalonians 5, 8 and 9. What on God's name does that have to do with the second coming? I don't know. <laughs> Are you in First Thessalonians 5, 8, and 9? Okay, is, uh, we're going to take care of those widows. Because <laughs> okay, would you try it again, Don? But let us who are of the day be sober. But let us who are of the day be sober. Putting on the breastplate of faith and love. Put on the breastplate of faith and love. And for an helmet, the hope of salvation. And for an helmet, the expectation of salvation. God has not appointed us to wrath, but obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. The, the next thing we need to look at is, before we conclude, is if there is no urgency, uh, then uh, there will be a, a, it'll affect our evangelism, and it begins to affect that, uh, because if there's plenty of time, why then there's no hurry. Jude 23. All right, here's Judy writes, and he's urging them to evangelistic activity. Uh, and uh, the, Moody uh, made a quote, says, This world is a sinking ship. My job is to get as many souls off as possible. So this doctrine is, I, w I want to, we'll open it again, but this doctrine is a hinge pin. Uh, I didn't always believe this. Uh, I've always been a student on my own. I was a member of a, a Bible school doc a denomination. Uh, they taught this, but I didn't just embrace this. Uh, when I was a young pastor, I uh, would begin to wrestle with this, studied this through, came to the conclusion that I'd come through. And so uh, I believed this for most of my ministry. Uh, however, I was not adamant concerning it. I said, that's, well, you know, it's kind of like if you like Toyota, well, I, like, uh, I like Buick. And so if you want a Toyota, do I get a Toyota? I'm going to buy a Buick. I like a Buick. And so everybody has their own preferences. But in the last uh, short few years, I began to see the seriousness of this playing out in the church world. And as, and as I've seen, the Kingdom Now theology, manifested sons of God that's come under a new label and has invaded the charismatic world who are not doctrinally grounded, uh, and has begun to make its inroads, I began to see, no, this isn't just a personal preference. This is a keystone or a capstone or a hinge pin. If you don't know what a capstone is, uh, in the Middle East, they, uh, they build buildings. Uh, they uh, have no mortar. They're simply cut and laid together. They have a capstone, holds the hole in place. And when this is removed, other things begin to happen in, in uh, doctrine and in belief 
and in lifestyle, and we're seeing that play out is why we have such garbage in the church world today. And this is uh, uh, why the prosperity gospel, all this crud is coming to the surface and being propagated is because they've lost the essence of the expectation of the rapture of the church of Jesus Christ. I had a hand over here. Who is it, Dave? Where I work, we, uh, my boss does what he calls mystery inspections. And, uh, mystery inspections. Right, now, you, where do you work? Uh, Burger King. Burger King. This make you feel good for lunch now today. Okay. <laughs> we also have what we call mystery shoppers who just drive through. Mystery and, shoppers. And uh, you never know when they're going to come, when he's going to show up. If my boss calls and says, I've got to pick something up, <clears> and I say that to the rest of the crew, they get real busy and clean everything up. Right. Real nice. Spick and span. But he can stop at any time. And, you know, his judgment is just the same whether or not he's let us know that he's coming. He's coming. He's going to come tomorrow. Yep. We'd all be on the phone to okay. everybody we knew trying to... Okay, to this is the essence of the very thing that we're talking about. We read scripture after scripture after scripture. Jesus tells parable after parable after parable, and he embeds this principle in all those parables. That's exactly what his deal with. He works at Burger King, and uh, and, and if he doesn't uh, uh, keep things ready, he loses his job. Uh, Jesus says if you don't get ready, you lose your soul. And those that are not ready will lose their soul. This is the urgency. That's what it's all about. Uh, Brenda. Kingdom now is uh, embraced by uh, a number of very large ministries today. Uh, one of these uh, prominent is uh, uh, that has a church is uh, a man named uh, Bishop Long, who's in Atlanta, uh, Georgia. Uh, he has a church of 22,000 people. He believes that the church believers are going to take over the secular world. Uh, he has contacts in Washington, very powerful uh, contacts. He made a quote recently that I used in a sermon that uh, the church uh, doesn't need to uh, do something. They need to take over. That's what they need to do. And so he believes that uh, we're, like, uh, we're going to take over like Daniel. We'll be put in prominent parts, and we're going to take over uh, Washington, D.C., and this is what they believe. Uh, the, the, much of the roots trace back to the old manifested sons of God, which were in the latter rain revival when I was a new convert and a new pastor, uh, and it has to do with super saints. Uh, we're going to run through a wall, leap over a wall, run through a, a troop. Uh, it's a Joel's army theology. It's a super saint mentality. Uh, we're not going to... It, 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 uh, it, it broke out in the Never Die Doctrine that was embraced by uh, 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 Franklin Hall in, uh, in Phoenix in the Baptism of Healing Fire and also uh, by Oil Jaggers in L.A. Uh, next to Angela's Temple. That's, uh, that, that's a part of it. It's, uh, what it really is is that we're going to receive the kingdom now. The benefits and the promises, which we know are going to be in the future, in the glorified body, and, uh, and, and as, as Christ comes in the kingdom period, they believe that this is ours now. We claim it by faith, and we can make it ours. That's kingdom now theology, dominion theology, manifested sins of God theology, and it may have other brands that I don't know about. Does that answer your question? Uh, it's uh, Robert. This lesson is for you today. How old are you, Robert? Wow. I mean, it's all over for you, buddy. 
That's a good thought. It has to be a balance in life. You have to be a balance in life. You don't ignore uh, your family. You don't ignore your uh, job. You don't ignore the future. Uh, and, and, and Jesus said, occupy or do business till I come. And so you don't ignore those things, but that's not your priority. When you make that your priority, there comes a shift. Yeah, right. And then it changed to 89. <laughs> yeah, and so I had a lot of people that came to me and uh, said, Pastor, you read that book? Read that book? I said, well, I know about it. I haven't read it, and I'm not wasting my time reading it. Uh, because when you set dates, well, you're already over the hill already. You're gone. And so uh, uh, I said at the moment, and they looked at me like I was the Antichrist. <laughs> and I, I, I had the same stance on that that I had on Y2K. Okay, Rodney, you want one final shot? Is that a testimony? <laughs>